I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. Right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. You joined us for another week. That means, you know, they love us. Mm-hmm. Obviously. You're back. We're back. And we are back in a different location of my house. We are on your fancy new furniture. That's right. It's, new to me. Yeah, new to you. Yeah. It is um, beautiful leather, super duper comfy. I said we're like packed in here and uh, we both have blankets and. Yeah. And comfy couches, and I'm just gonna it's take a nap. I know. I'm like, I'm not gonna want to go home after this. I'm I know. Stay right you here. can always sleep on my couch. Stay right here. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little chilly down here, but no, it's fine. Um, not too bad. So yeah. All right, Haley. Guess what? What? How would you like to go to a mental asylum? I. That's my dream. <laughs> I thought so. 72-hour hold where I don't have to... Do anything. Do anything. I mean, you know, it's a lot of work to be in a mental institution. I understand. But, you know, there's some times where I'm like, you know, I just need somebody to knock me out for, like, 48 hours. Little Haldol. Just give me a little Haldol and... Call it a week. Just, you know, (laughs) get some good coping skills and Mm -hmm. medication adjustments and send me on my way. Exactly. Make sure you're stable and out you go. That's what I need sometimes. We. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Oh my god. We could, uh, you know, do an episode where we just record from there. From there? Yeah, we're on on vacation. We're just there. From life. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking a little mental respite. A mental respite. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah, I think some. uh, Yeah, yeah. There goes a truck. Sometimes I, I feel like I need it. Yeah. Okay. So we're traveling to Broughton Hospital. Fun. I know. So Broughton is located in Morganton, North Carolina. This is east of Asheville mm-hmm. for all of you who are curious. Um, we're going to be stopping by for a little visit. Um, and That's a spooky place, it's man. It's a super spooky place. You drive place. down that highway and it's just up there on the hill just looming over you and you're like, ooh. And it does. It does sort of loom over this hill and it's huge. It's gigantic. It is. It is. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about the history, kind of how all of this got started, particularly in North Carolina. So, mm-hmm. you know, mental health care in the mid-1800s was pretty scarce. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> and... um So, for the institutions that did exist, the patients were regularly beaten with rods, kept in cages, Mm. like animals, tortured in order to basically beat them into sanity. I'm sure that was super effective. Absolutely. Obviously, (laughs) right? that's all you You know, um, let's just beat the heck out of them and and the crazy will end. Right. You know, Um, and they weren't even viewed as human beings. They were kind of looked at as feral animals who needed to be tamed. Great. Yeah. Yikes. You need to be tamed a little bit. It's a little sometimes. Get in your cage. I will go there now. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
as we reported in episode 34 about the Weston State Mental Hospital, that was Haley's episode um, in West Virginia, we learned that patients were sent to asylums for really a multitude of reasons, Mm -hmm. um, including things but not limited to postpartum depression, not complying with their husband's orders. Uh Uh-oh, I would be screwed. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, that'd be a bad day for me. Me too. I don't listen to him. Uh, Reading books other than the Bible. Oh, I mean, also. I know. Yeah. Self-pleasure, homosexuality, dementia, Alzheimer's, being blind, being deaf, mute, intellectually disabled. So basically, any reason. Right. Anything they can kind of decide is why you're going to the mental hospital. Exactly. Gotcha. Yes. And prisoners who suffered from mental health issues were put into dark and foul-smelling basements and left alone to rot, essentially. Hmm. So even prisons, you know, with prisoners who had significant mental health issues, they were just sort of left to die in a dark room. They just weren't treated well. So in 1848, Dorothea Dix, have you heard that name before? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dorothea Dix was really leading the charge in encouraging various state officials to create public and government-funded mental health institutions These were referred to at the time, so kindly, as insane or lunatic asylums. Yeah. I love the wording. So kind. Right. So sensitive. It's kind of like Fat Farm. (laughs) What? (laughs) So kind and sensitive. We're going to send them to the Fat Farm. I've never heard that. You've never heard that? I've never heard that. Like Fat Camp? I've heard of Fat Camp. I've never called it Fat Farm. Fat Farm. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so unkind. Yikes. Tonight after that Olive Garden, I'm probably headed I to the Fat Farm. I need to probably go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no, th- those are so scary. Right? They, like, still exist. Those are so scary. Like, if the stories that you hear people, like, say from those places. Yeah. So scary. That won't be in our next episode. No. 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 So Dorothea herself struggled with periods of depression, and she saw a need for the government to take over and run these hospitals with trained staff who could care for those struggling with mental health issues. I mean, I feel like Dorothea was pretty ahead of her time. Yeah, and this is what, 18... Mid-1800s, 1848? Yeah. 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 And and for a woman to be standing up and saying this is pretty... Pretty profound. They didn't throw her in the mental hospital. I'm actually shocked too. But she also had some wealth behind Mm, her, which I think was helpful. Um, So Dorothea visited prisons and private asylums up and down the East Coast. On one stop, she saw an aging government official who had Alzheimer's, and he was being treated worse than an animal. Mm. He was pretty much left to die in his own filth. And, you know, she commented he was just unrecognizable, but how it could have played out differently had he been treated with respect like right. he had been previously. Right. Um, so Dorothea made her way to North Carolina and was appalled by the conditions of the prisons and mental health institutions. She called on state legislators for reform, but conveniently they opposed her bill. I mean, obviously. Legislators were made up mostly all of men. Um, and they felt that a bill proposed by a woman from Massachusetts regarding the mentally ill was just not a priority. We've got other things we have to do, lady. I mean, like, what? 
We gotta talk about coal. We gotta talk about the railroad. I know. We just have absolutely no time to listen to your babbling. Listen, fossil fuels are bad. Yes, absolutely. Rocket. <laughs> In 1849, uh, a member of the legislature, his wife was actually dying, and her last wish was that this bill for mental health care reform be passed. I mean, what a dying wish to have. Well, I think she had also suffered with depression from time to time. And when Dorothea spoke, I think it really spoke to her. And that was her passion. So she convinced her husband and he convinced others that they needed to pass this bill. Good deal. Absolutely. Get it done however you can. Lo and behold, it was passed in 1849. So a few months later, the North Carolina State Medical Society was formed and construction of a state-operated institution began in Raleigh, which, for those of you who don't know, is the state capital of North Carolina. So this hospital opened to the public in 1856, so this is pre-Civil War, and was named Dix Hill in honor of Dorothea. Mm. Yeah, so... You know, not only did she make this big change, but they actually honored her. Wow. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, it was quickly determined that the western part of North Carolina was in great need of a state hospital. Yeah. So, particularly where Haley's at, she's in great need. I'm in great need. She's in need. It's all right. <laughs> Are you ailing? Do you want some of my elixir? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually just wine. I know it's canned wine currently, but it'll so. help you. It will. It will. It will help your ales. Help my ales. Yes. Great. Yes. You're welcome. It might be snake oil. That's fine. Okay. I'll take. Cool. <laughs> it's three hundred dollars. Don't have that. I'm very much on a budget. That's not what I like to hear. I know. But it'll it'll heal you. I'm just gonna have to broke, man. Hmm. Layaway, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You'll get it at Christmas. Put it on a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take Discover. Got Visa. Oh, good. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so in 1875, the state provided $75,000, which. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yes. That time. In 1875, that's a lot of money that's now. So much money. Exactly. Um, to construct a state of the art asylum. Okay. I mean, you know, not only do they realize, heck, it's a need, but also we're going to put a lot of money towards it. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. So they found a spot in Morganton, North Carolina, that offered close to 300 acres of land. It's a big property. It is. And they began building. So it took a long time to build it. It took eight years before it finally opened its doors on March 29th, 1883. At that point, it was referred to as the Western Carolina Insane Asylum, obviously. Right. Yeah. So, just so you know. The asylum's first patient was actually a former physician. Yeah. Name, (laughs) this is my favorite. And I was like, this has to be made up. But it wasn't. So, the former physician, his name was Dr. Red Pepper. Dr. Red Pepper. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just going to throw this out here. I love red peppers. I do too. Like the sweet ones, the mm-hmm. bell red peppers yeah. are probably my favorite. That's what I took for lunch this week. You just ate bell pepper? I had a red bell pepper and some hummus. 
That's all you ate for lunch? Uh, I moved very quickly at work. I had All I had time for was red bell pepper and hummus. <laughs> I'm so concerned for you. You need to eat more than that. I ate more when I got home. I ate the rest of my lunch when I got home, and then I had dinner. Okay. So I had, like, I just had to split it up between a few hours. <laughs> I feel like your mom in this moment. Like, <laughs> you need to eat more. Haley, you need to eat more. Listen, it's fine. It's well, fine. all right. So back to Dr. Red Pepper. Um, he was the first of many patients. Quickly, the facility filled up, and by the following year, the director of the entire facility went in front of the General Assembly and said, look, we're going to need some more space because we have an influx of patients and we have nowhere to put them. I mean, maybe stop sending people there that for stupid reasons, their husbands or read right. books. But, right. you know, fair well, I mean, you know, when you're doing that intake process, mm-hmm. some of your questions could not be as, you know, pointed. Right. Like, you know, when your husband told you to, you know, clean the bathroom. Oh, wait, no bathrooms. Clean out the outhouse, you know. And you said, not and you today. you said, not today. I'm giving birth. You mean? I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, so checked into the institution. Exactly, exactly. Yep. So anyway, they needed more space for mm-hmm. for those patients. So by 1886, two new wings were built onto the original structure of the building, and this provided up to 500 additional beds. And a few years later, it was renamed the State Hospital at Morganton. Okay. So it went from the Western Carolina Insane Asylum. Now it is the State Hospital at Morganton, which actually sounds a lot better. Sounds a little bit nicer. Sounds a little kinder. Yeah. Yeah. The additional wings were staggered because it was believed that mental illness was contagious. So if you staggered the buildings out, those who were in the other wings would not be able to catch the specific kind of lunacy Perhaps we should have staggered our seating tonight. Probably. You're going to catch all of my mental illness <laughs> and, and same for me. And there's a lot of brewing up there, let me tell wow. you. <laughs> wow. That almost sounds threatening. I kind of like, like it. So I'm medicated now. It's all good. I mean, <laughs> a little bit of lunacy is not bad. It's Come fine. On, spring it over. Let's, let's spice it up a little bit. Like red pepper. Like red pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. No, please, everyone, go to therapy and take care of your mental health. That's my PSA for the Actually, night. that's a fantastic plug. You know yes, I'm all about that. Please go to therapy. Everybody. Everybody go. Yes. Therapy is helpful. And yes. no, it's not just talk therapy. It is a chance to have a non-biased person mm-hmm. as all your, your outlet. Shit. Exactly. Yes. And take that on because yes. your friends don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> just saying. Okay. I'm being kind. Um, all right. So patients at the facility were given jobs. So that included working on the grounds and the garden, cooking, maintaining the local roads. So I don't love that there. I mean, the other things that can get behind, like, you know, maybe some gardening and some cooking and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't love road maintenance. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. Equine <laughs> therapy. <laughs> right. But Equine. To yeah. Maybe helping out with the chickens or, you know, kind of having. You know what that reminds me of? It feels to me kind of Shawshank Redemption. Mm. Have you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know where they're like redoing the rooftop? Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> that's what it feels like. Like we're working on the road. We're tarring the road. We're tarring the rooftop. Like wh- what? Why? No. Yeah. Probably. Sh- probably not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> um, yeah. So eventually, the facility became self-sustaining. Obviously, I mean. I mean, yeah. If you've got, they're all, all doing work. Whole, you know, kind of slave labor in there. Pretty much. Because I'm sure they're not being paid. Well, you better stop disobeying your husband, and you wouldn't be doing. And you road wouldn't work. have to do <laughs> exactly. the road maintenance. I mean, clean that outhouse for yeah. the love of Pete. Gosh, Haley. So. It was self-sustaining, and they actually operated a farm, which Most included, did. yeah, dairy cows. They had a greenhouse. They had a vineyard. Okay. Who was drinking that wine? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume not the patients. Probably not. I would assume the staff. Uh, the hospital kept expanding and taking in new patients up until World War I, uh, which was, you know, the 19-teens. This facility soon became so crowded that they created what was called a colony program. I don't love that phrasing. I don't either. That felt spooky. It felt super spooky. And like a weird sort of like the colony. Why didn't you go to the colonies? It's, um, have you seen Handmaid's Tale? No, it's too much for me. I love it. I can't do it. (laughs) <laughs> so much about I can't me. do it. it I, is super I want intense. to. I think I've heard great things. Oh my gosh, I love it. I have convinced my mother to watch too it. Too intense now. for it's me. It's super intense. And I, you know, they refer a lot to um, these like dreadful places that some folks get sent as the colonies. So when I read through this, it kind of made me think something like that. So Ooh. they created this colony program that. You know, each wing had its own specific thing. So men and women were always separate from each other. They had separate dining halls. But these colonies were specifically, like I mentioned, for people with certain types of ails or, you know, they were all congregated together. So like you've got depression in one hall and anxiety Mm -hmm. in another hall and leprosy in another, you know what I mean? Deafness in another. Exactly. Exactly. So they were all put together in these colonies. Now, all expansion stopped completely at the beginning of the Great Depression, obviously, and patients became more neglected due to the lack of staff. So at this point, the ratio of patients to doctor was in the 20s, 300 to 1. Oh my god. But wait for it, in the 30s, in the early part of the Depression, 500 to 1. Um, you know that argument of safe staffing, you know, where they're like, which, you know, we should have safe staffing in hospitals where it should be, you know, like one nurse to like three patients, maybe instead of one nurse to seven. I feel like one to 500, even for like a doctor, because you know, the doctors usually have a higher caseload. Right. But... But they're usually kind of in and out, you right. know? Right. They're like, in, give you the news, and hit the road. Right. But they're, 500 That's to insane. One. That's insane. That means that most of these individuals are really not being cared for. There's no way. No. There is no way. And the staff that did remain were pretty much worked to death. They weren't able to support the needs of the patients, and they weren't even allowed to take vacation time for themselves. Oh, my gosh. Um, They created areas where the staff actually lived on campus. Yeah. So, like, you know, they were there all the time. 
Um, finally, in the 1940s, the hospital expanded once again to provide dormitories for the staff, specifically so that they weren't bunking with the patients. Don't bunk with your patients. Don't do that. I it's think a bad just, idea. Yeah, no. It's a bad move. No, I couldn't imagine like no. coming in like, here's your hell doll. Scoot over. I'm coming in. Do yeah. you need the shower next? Like, screw if you need the shower. <laughs> I'm I'm a nurse. I have I, to take one. Mine's first. Mine is first and most important. You are mentally ill. I have your drugs. Here, let me put something in your IV. Okay, um, so now they're not bunking with the patients. And speaking of patients, the facility had reported having a staggering. 3,500 person capacity in these buildings. That's wild. 3,500. So by 1959, the hospital was renamed Broughton, as what it's called today, after the former governor, Melville Broughton. By the 1960s, there was more mental health care reform and patients were allowed to pursue education and were divided up by need and age. So those being held for criminal activities were not housed with those who had autism. Right. But wait for more information on that because okay. things somehow change. Right. In the 1980s, um, the recession hit the complex hard and they suffered significant financial difficulties. They had to lay off staff, etc. Finally, in 1992, a foundation was formed to help with donations and grants that pretty much kept the facility running. In 1987, the building was placed on the National Register of Historic Places, basically meaning they can't tear it down. Right, you it can't is. alter the outside of exactly. the building. You can exactly. change the inside, but you can't change the outside. Exactly. I worked in a place that was on the registry, and it was hilarious. It was an old jail, and we ran community programs out of it. So we still, like, all the old cells turned into therapy rooms. Was that in New York? Mm-hmm. That is so cool. That was really cool. Ooh, an old jail? It was an old, it was an old police precinct. And they had cells in the basement, and they turned into, like, offices and um, therapy rooms. That doesn't make you nervous at all when you go for therapy and you hear, clung, clung. They took all the bars out, obviously. Like, they oh, could I do wouldn't. stuff to the inside, but, like, the old, yes, like, horse stables were the gym. Um, oh, this was really old. Oh, yeah. Super old building. It was it haunted? I never had any experiences there. Dang it. But it's a really, I mean, it's a super cool building. Really neat organization. Complete Kingsbridge, uh, Kingsbridge Heights Community Center. Gonna I'm going to Google that. They're really neat. It's that a really cool so place. so cool. Um, so this is the history for you, right? So now let's talk about the hauntings and some of the things that have happened My here. My favorite. Okay. So obviously with a building that is as old as Broughton is, it's got to have some ghost stories, right? Of course. One would hope and think, well, I'm about to make your day. Most people who have worked behind those steel doors are a little too scared to talk about the things they've seen and heard, but there are some who are ready to share their stories. This includes Margaret Langley. Margaret was a registered nurse who worked at Broughton and wrote a book entitled Haunted Broughton, Tales from the Graveyard Shift. That's amazing. I know. I've ne- I want to read it. I know. That's amazing. Know. Like, what a, like, fascinating title. Well, and, and the cool thing about it is, 
some of it were her own ghostly experiences, and some were what her colleagues had so seen. She like, collected some yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah, so to cool. share. I'm like, that is just amazing. Came out in 2009. So one story that Margaret tells is a night that she was alone in this building, and it was ironically called the Bates Building, <laughs> which I always think like Norman Bates. Norman Bates, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, she asserts that she was sitting at this conference room table looking at her timesheet and making notes about her upcoming vacation days. I mean, that sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely what, what I would do. Um, so suddenly, as she was looking over, you know, no one else was in the room, a woman's voice loudly whispered, Margaret, into her right ear. I hate that. I do too. Margaret states that it scared her so badly, she felt as if an iron rod had been shoved into her spine and into her skull. That's how it kind of struck her body, almost painfully. And the intensity hit her so fiercely that she ever so slowly stood up because she was terrified. Right. Closed the time book, (laughs) placed it back on the desk across the room, and then slowly exited the conference room i'd be flying yeah out of there so as she is walking down the hallway pretty quickly um she is headed out of the building but she is like holding her breath and is looking behind her the entire time yeah as i would have been um so the building was always locked and obviously i mean it's it's an institution right. so you were locked in so yeah. she is fumbling for her key she's nervously trying to get it into the lock and is just like keeps looking behind her and like you know barely breathing like gotta get out of here you know and so she continued to look behind her heart beating erratically she finally gets the key in the lock runs out of the building and states that she never went into that building alone again day or night fair point yeah and it's like ooh, and it knew her name i hate that oh i really hate that i don't like yeah. it knew her name i mean you know barbara that would be one thing right like if it's a different name and you're like hello like yeah i say to each um, other. excuse me excuse me it's holly it's not barbara <laughs> so let me correct the ghost i've got to correct the ghost sorry um so Broughton also had its own graveyard. Makes sense. Obviously, you know, there are individuals, it's a hospital, mm-hmm. who, who die. And so this would be a way of burying them. There are also tunnels that run underneath the buildings in order to move patients without having to go on the outside of the complex. Right. Um, other reports claim that there is a dome that sits atop the oldest part of the building, has ghostly figures that move around and are spotted through the windows and looking through the windows. I believe it. Mm-hmm. It's such a, so if you've never been there or ever driven past it and you're in the area, I would encourage you just to even just drive past it because it is the most, like, I don't even know how to describe that building overbearing kind of feeling overpowering Over, yeah, yeah it's, it's just a it has a presence about it has, it. A vibe. It has its own presence <sighs> yeah. i think it's yeah. it's a spooky vibe it's a it's very like dark mm-hmm. in a way yeah 
Yeah, it's weird. It is. It is. And I think what makes it so intimidating is how it sits up on the hill. Intimidating, I guess. Um, because it feels like it. it's always looking down on you. Yeah. It's, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's so big. So oh, yeah, big. It's huge. It's huge. Um, so they actually had a suicide ward that was created especially for women. Was there anybody there? Suicide. Oh my god. That's awful. That's so bad. That's horrible. I'm a horrible human. We know this. Sorry. So people report that inside this ward they hear people screaming day and night. Yikes. Yeah. And it's not anyone who's alive. Right. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's a graveyard on the property. This is where they used to bury patients who died at the hospital, but not just any patients that died at the hospital. Initially, the graveyard was for paupers, so Mm -hmm. people who didn't have any money who died. They weren't buried with any kind of headstone. They were buried with dog tags. Like, there was, like... on them? Not on them, but, like, on the ground. It was like, oh, here's a dog tag. Just, like, laid out on the ground over them? Like, yeah. Like, what, in a strong breeze? Just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's reported that those who are buried without a real grave are the lost souls who pace this graveyard looking for someone to recognize them. That's kind of sad. It's heartbreaking. That's kind of sad. So they may approach you or even touch you. I don't like that. (laughs) Don't please don't touch me. I don't want to be touched by real people. No, please don't touch me. I'm not I'm not that approachable. No. I work with young kids sometimes now and I work with teens and young kids, so my days that I go work with the younger ones, um, they come up and just hug me randomly, and I don't like it. And everybody else in the building is like, oh, isn't that so sweet? They love you. I'm like, don't touch me. Hmm. Nope. Like, it's a, like a, let's talk about um, boundaries and personal space. <laughs> that is interesting. Just, like, randomly come up and hug me. Like, don't know me. It's very mm. odd. Yeah, so that's interesting about you and, and young children. I don't like mind. them to touch me. I'll tell my child. Your to, kid's to fine. Off. I like your kid. I know your kid. Your kid <laughs> knows true. me. It is true. If that's he was a, a random child on the street yeah. that just came up to me, I'd be like, whoa. It is off-putting. I will say, you know, when just like children who don't know you come and hunk you and you're like, you know, maybe we should talk about But I think it's also the, the work that we do. Yeah, too, that is kind is of true. like it that kind of true. jaded us a little bit. Ask, ask like, permission for hugging. Consent is important. Consent is very important for everyone, Absolutely. children included. <laughs> that was like a hard left. All right. Okay, <laughs> back so to back Broughton. to the graveyard. Um, <laughs> we get to that. Well, because I said that they may approach and touch you, okay. and Haley like, got scared. God, how do we get to children? <laughs> I don't know. You took it there. I did. I'm sorry. Um, do you need me to touch you? No, okay, please just don't. make sure. Please don't. So they also report that you're going to hear whispering and sometimes the moaning of tortured souls. Ugh. Moaning, I don't know. I, I nope. Uh, I hear that from men. A lot of just moaning and uh, I don't like that. Yeah, I know. That's not cool. So if you look from the exterior of the complex, you can see faces through the windows, kind of like I said before, and they're looking back at you. 
but then they suddenly vanish. I hate that. Ooh, so creepy. So both staff and patients have reported feeling that someone was not just watching them, but it felt as if they were looking through them. You know that feeling when it's like you kind of get the heebie-jeebies, you know, when your body kind of inadvertently like shakes a little bit because you kind of get that cold chill? Mm -hmm. I would think that would be what it would feel like, maybe. Yeah. And there's an abandoned storehouse on the property where, get this, a psychiatrist and a nurse were found dead in April of 1971. Ew. Dr. Paul Douglas Boyles was a 37-year-old psychiatrist who lived on the property with his wife and three children. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah. So he had worked at the hospital for several years prior to his death, and all reports state that he was a good doctor. He was well-liked by staff and patients. You know, seemed like a a pretty stand-up guy. So the nurse that was found dead as well was a 39-year-old um, RN named Betty Sue Cheek Yarborough. Say that 12 times fast. No. Look at me. I'm making you say it 12 times no. instead of five. So who she lived in the area, but she didn't live on the property. So she lived with her husband and two teenage children, a boy and a girl. She had been born in Asheville, moved to Morganton. She was specifically working at this hospital because she was just really good at her job she'd been a nurse for a long time she was really smart outgoing had a great personality and everyone reported she was really good with the patients really supportive um dr boyles and betty were actually longtime family friends so it was pretty shocking to discover them both dead they had been stabbed with the same knife oh my god betty had been stabbed twice in the chest while the doctor had been stabbed once through the heart the medical examiner determined that it was a murder-suicide. I was thinking that. Yep. And the doctor was the culprit. But, like, I can't imagine. Can you imagine stabbing yourself? Stabbing yourself through the heart. Through the heart. Oh, my gosh. So That's a lot. you got to get through a lot to get there, though. There is a whole... Oh. That's not good. And that has to be a hella sharp knife. Yeah. With a lot of force. And knowing, like... What happens, I mean, he was a doctor, right. but, you know, what happens if you're not dead? Like, like, I feel like that's a painful way to die. Yes. I feel like men pick very painful ways yeah. to die. Yeah. Women are like, let's take some pills. Right. I mean, that is, you know, common. Yes. Yes. If you look at the research. It is very true. Um, but, you know, this begs the question here. Were they more than friends? What Maybe. was going on? Because why, you know... You may not like your coworker, but you don't just, you know, go and kill them and then kill yourself. I mean, usually not. No, it seems like there was probably more to this. So I would love to find out more about that story. Yeah. Um, but this was not the only death at Broughton. In 2018. Oh my god. So we're talking recent. And and by the way, folks, Broughton is still a running hospital. Oh yeah, they do clinic. Like the students go do their clinicals there. Yes, so. it is very intense. Like I had several friends who had to get up early and drive to Morganton from Mars Hill University to go do their clinical rotation at Broughton. My mom did as a nursing student as well, mm-hmm. and she was like, it was so scary. I think my aunt had to go up there. Yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> for hers, yeah. So in 2018, 23-year-old Jody Pichon, 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 sure. was found hanging in her room after putting up Christmas decorations with other patients. 
While the death was ruled a suicide, her mother is not convinced. Hmm. She thinks there was some kind of foul play. Could have been. In 2009, a patient named Anthony Lowry died after being held down by seven nursing assistants and staff members for throwing a trash can. Restraints are super scary. Yeah. Restraining is never... I mean, I I don't... We have a hands-off policy. Yeah. We just... Well, Haley definitely does. Well, no, like, I know, like, people who've worked in... I mean, we've both had friends who've worked in... um, Like PTRS. Yeah. Like, those lockdown facilities that Mm -hmm. have a restraint policy. I remember when we went through that... When we went through training... um, crisis intervention training there is a section for restraints and i know Mm -hmm. we always get to leave because we don't do that exactly thank god but there were some people that had to stay to learn when i was a teacher um it was called cpi Mm. and we had to take it to learn you know just to restrain a child if they were you know, losing it and hurting themselves or others, which I just never felt comfortable with. And fortunately, I never had to use. Yeah. But, um, ugh, I think there's probably good. a time and a place for it, but um, right. it just, I've never liked the idea of, of it. I don't either. It's very scary. So those involved, um, so the assistants, the staff members were actually cleared of any wrongful death charges, but the hospital did lose some of its funding because of this incident i mean yeah makes sense um remember how i said that various wings had segregated violent patients from the Mm non-violent well that didn't always occur you see in 1996 57 year old alzheimer's patient bobby creason was sharing a room with 23 year old joseph vore no yeah Vore had been sent to Broughton after he was deemed incompetent to stand trial for the murder of a patient at a rest home. Oh, my God. Right? So Who decided that this was a good idea? I'm saying. Who sat in a room and said, yeah, that'll work? Exactly. So the patient that he killed was a mentally disabled man who had been living in various care homes since he was four. Everyone said that the man was really meek and really sweet. Vore hid his body a hundred feet from the facility, and then it was discovered. So he was up on charges. They were like, well, he, he's incompetent to stand trial because he's mentally ill. So he was sent to Broughton, placed in a room with Creaseman, and within two weeks, Vore beat Creaseman to death. The oh. Alzheimer's patient he beat to death. My God. So now he has killed someone who is, you know, intellectually disabled and someone with Alzheimer's. Oh, my God. Who would also be intellectually disabled. Wow. <laughs> right? What? Yeah. Yeah. So not only all these murders, but Broughton has also seen their fair share of suicides by patients and staff, obviously. I mean... You know, when it's a tough gig. It is. It is. So while recently a new building has been erected, and it has, and it's actually very, very nice from what I hear, mm-hmm. the old Broughton still stands. Yeah, but still there. And it said that angry and lost souls live and roam permanently in the halls and on the grounds. So if you are feeling brave enough, go check it out. 
Do it. If you're in Morganton, North Carolina, go for it. Yeah, go on up there. I actually just um, drove past there because I went to a training in Hickory um, on Tuesday. So nice. Yeah. I used to teach at a, um, or substitute teach at a dance studio in Morganton, and I would pass it every week that I subbed there. And it's, uh, yeah. Would it's you pass something. it? I checked in once or twice. A hundred times. Whatever. <laughs> but there's yeah. like, you know, there's some, um, gosh, it's a, I can't remember who makes this joke, a family friend of ours. Um, when they ask, you know, where's your, you know, like, everybody gets asked, like, oh, where's your family from? Like, especially if you're around here, like, oh, where are you, where's your family from? Like, ah, we all came from Broughton. <laughs> And you're like, oh, like, you know, in the area, they're like, nah, we all just lived at It's kind of like a running, like. We also have a running family joke on my dad's side, and he'll say that we have a family wing, and he'll usually say our last name, you know, and yeah. the family wing. And he always says that my aunt has her own wing. <laughs> that is his sister. Um, and for my cousin who, what up? I know you're listening in New York. Um, you probably think that's very funny. That, yeah. I do. That's hilarious. <laughs> and it seems accurate, actually. Um, so, yeah. yeah. But Broughton is still in existence, it's still going. It's infamous in this it area. It really is. Everybody knows about Broughton. Exactly. And I actually got this idea from my trainer um, that I went to this team training uh on tuesday he had mentioned broughton and i was like you know that would be a good story idea when i was looking for jobs in the area i looked at broughton why to work there why because it's fascinating it is fascinating but i I had a i mean i've known people that you know are pharmacy techs there and Mm -hmm. you know because it's a functioning yeah it is it's a functioning hospital it is i mean yeah it's yeah well and and now they're away from some of the probably the scarier history of it because they're yeah, in a new building. It's a new so. building. It's you know, it's actually a nice I mean it's a nice mm-hmm. building. It's still kinda of spooky. I think just because of the like the nature of what kind of happens. Right. And what goes on there. But it's still, you know I mean it's a lot it serves a good purpose. It's a good purpose. It's a good place. I'm glad that we have it. Yeah. In the area. It's definitely needed. Absolutely. And the people that work there are, you know, great people and absolutely it's a it's a neat a neat place like i said i I looked at jobs there i mean i really think that we should just you know plan a little trippy yeah it's not that far it's really not it's what i mean yeah it's not far at all yeah to go to go there it's a pretty drive it is a beautiful drive so yeah i mean we're making the sound even better and better yep we'll just go let's do it I'm ready. Road trip. <laughs> we'll we'll we will have to leave this comfy furniture, which mm, that'll be kind of that. a bummer. That's a bummer. But anyway, that'll we'll get the help we need. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So Haley, do you have a shout out this time? I do. Um, while I find that, do you want to tell us how to get in touch? No. Okay. Okay. No, I will. So if you want to give us your feedback, um, send us an email, please do so at 
mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. Find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. And if you want to really be kind, support us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash mountainmysteries. And please go leave us a nice review. Um, rate us and leave us a very nice review. Yes. Um, that'd be super helpful too. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, so we're going to go to Boone, Iowa. Boone, Iowa. Week. I've never heard of I that. I haven't either. Heard of Boone, North Carolina. Me too. But there's Boone, Iowa. Cool. How neat. Well, thank you, Boone, Iowa. Thanks. It sounded like one word. Boone, Iowa. Boone, Iowa. Boone, Iowa. Boone, I can speak, Iowa. but not well. You know, it happens to the best of us. No, you should see the editing Haley has to do online. (laughs) No. God. Anyway. Well, next week, Haley's going to... What are you going to tell us about next week? Um, you know, we're going to find out together next week. She literally has no idea. This is so No idea. I have no idea. Well, I hope you get your research and your shit together (laughs) by next week. Me too, man. (laughs) Me too. All right, y'all. Well, we will see you then. Bye. Bye.